lead her every day, living for messy action. This is the Lifestyle Leadership Podcast for women who want to be the best version of themselves while making an impact. And who are willing to take messy and perfect action to get there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Dr. Tay. And we are here to guide and empower you to lead yourself every day. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, everybody, we're back with another episode. And today we are having a mom moment. We're excited to introduce a new series in the Lead Her Everyday podcast called Mom Moments. Today, we're going to talk about emotion regulation, um, but we're also going to keep this Mom Moment series continuing, trying to do it once a month or so, so that we can talk about the real, raw, challenging, and also beautiful parts of motherhood. Just as a reminder, anything shared on our episodes are not clinical advice. Please talk to a qualified mental health professional if you are needing more support. You might be wondering, who are you guys to talk about this? But I am a mom of two, and I'll let Taylor introduce why she is versed in mom things. But uh, we both add really different, but also um, unique perspectives to mom moments. Yeah. Before I dive into me, I want to say though, like you are a mom of two, but I also feel like you tend to do a lot of research and, you know, educating yourself. So it's even beyond your own life experiences. You're always saying to me like, oh, I talked to this mom or I read about this. So I feel like that adds another layer to this too. So I am not a mom and I, you know, so often say that, and I know people wonder, like, okay, then, then why do you care to talk to moms? And moms are actually in my coaching business who I primarily work with. And the reason being is I am a child psychologist. And so I specialize in early child development with autism being a focus, but understanding, you know, toddler, preschool age range, even, you know, some of those infant milestones, all of that. And so that's the exact age range that Jordan's kids are in too. So we have conversations all the time about parenting, about being a mom. And we just have this idea and we're like, you know what, this is so needed because being a mom, you know, you're always trying to look for new information and understanding what's right and what's the right approach. And there is totally being honest out there, there is conflicting information. And so you might hear one thing from one source and another thing from another source and be like, where do I go? Now, I'm going to totally own, we are just another source and you have to decide what aligns with you is what it comes down to. And that's what we also want to empower you to do is go with a parenting approach that feels good for you. But we're also going to talk about the hard things in this, this series that will be ongoing. And remember too, that being a mom is being a leader. And we want to really emphasize that you know, again, we talk about leadership here in the sense that this is lifestyle leadership. You impact in everything that you do, especially in being a mama. So we are going to go ahead and get into it. We're talking about regulating emotions and your emotions and your child's emotions. And, and why is this important? So you might be in a stage where I am with a toddler and you struggle with their big emotions, how to handle them. Why are we having power struggles? And what is the best, healthiest, most impactful way we can handle them as adults, parents, and just humans? Absolutely. And one of the reasons we're going to talk both about child emotion regulation, as well as your emotion regulation as a parent, 
there's lots of research to support that it is this dynamic interaction. And one of the things we know about early emotion regulation development is that children, one, often co-regulate from their parents. So what that means is they are looking to you to be able to help support them through that regulation. And that is totally developmentally appropriate. And through those experiences, then they begin to learn how to self-regulate as they age. And they're picking up a lot from you. So that's one piece of it. And the second is the more that you're able to kind of find your rhythm with regulating. And trust me, this is hard. So this is not saying you should always remain cool, calm, and collected. We're actually not going to say that. That's not going to be our message. But being able to regulate yourself first before you're going into that interaction is going to be extremely beneficial for being able to problem solve and really get that desired outcome. Yeah. So let's say you're a parent in the middle of a toddler meltdown. Something did not go the way planned. You gave toddler red cup, toddler wanted blue cup. You know, you, if you're a mom, you know, And you are faced with a toddler that is experiencing an opportunity to practice their emotion regulation. And typically at this point in that age, it means a meltdown. So what do you do? So let's real quick define emotion regulation. This is a term that's often thrown around and there are different definitions um, that come from like the research world and all of that. In the research I do, I actually um, have a very strong interest in what's called emotion dysregulation and autism. And this is actually an area that I study little plug is there is actually a measure. It's called the emotion dysregulation inventory young child that myself and my mentor, Dr. Carla Mazewski developed. It was initially developed for children with developmental disabilities and autism, but we also have general population norms. And so you're able, you know, potentially to see where your child's emotion dysregulation falls relative to their same aged peers. And so this is an area I absolutely love. That was a little tangent, but what is emotion regulation? So the kind of definition that I often go by and I really think maps on, you know, to working with children, it's both this idea of the reactivity piece, like how you either are, you know, upregulating or downregulating your emotions initially, but then it's also this recovery piece, which is more the regulation effect is then once you have that initial reactivity piece where you've already upregulated or downregulated, then from there, it's how do you continue to work through that emotion? And so all of that comes into play. So when your toddler is having a meltdown, you know, that initial screaming, that's the reactivity part. But then what happens? How long does it last? If it's lasting for a long while, that means they're having difficulty downregulating to a calmer state. Yeah. And I think as parents, you know, we can't control behavior and often we want to, often we try to, it's, you know, just human nature, but it's stepping into this space of intention and saying, okay, instead of stop screaming. And then we wonder why they're screaming. Well, we're screaming. I find myself convicted of that all the time, but it's being able to pause, breathe and say something along the lines of like, I understand that you're angry because truthfully, because I gave you the wrong cup. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to insert here, hit, scream at me, et cetera. And so that is the beginning of helping them understand 
it's okay to have emotions. We don't have to suppress our emotions, but there are appropriate ways to handle and react to emotions. Also letting your child know how they should display their emotions becomes really, really important. Remember you're, especially if you have very young children, you are shaping their emotional development. And so giving them that information, helping them to learn is super important. I also just real quick before we move on to like really digging into why this matters, I want to comment on Jordan saying, okay, yeah, it's so easy then to yell back. That is such a natural reaction when someone else is already escalated to match their energy, to match their tone, to match their conviction and all of it. And so some of it is being aware, though, that that isn't going to get you to that desired outcome. If you're both screaming over a cup, it's not going to help you problem solve and figure out what color cup your child truly wants. We have to remember that. Right now it's a red cup and a blue cup, but in 10 years, it's going to be something bigger. And in 20 years, it's going to be something bigger. And I think that's where the foreshadow of impact comes into like us right now, like as parents, I need help with that too. And so I also am really passionate about helping my kids now so that they're better at it in the future. And, you know, this cycle doesn't go on. What Jordan is talking about was actually a quote, and I don't have the exact quote right now, but a friend of mine had shared on social media and I was like, whoa, this is so true. So the things that seem so little in your kid's life and they're making a big deal about, here's the thing, in their world, it is a big deal. And so when we learn to communicate early on about these little things, teach them What are the appropriate ways to express this emotion? They also learn that you are a safe space for them to come to with their problems. And when you give that validation back that their emotions matter, that how they're feeling matters and that you're there to support them through that, that is going to make them more likely as teenagers to come to you when things are really, really difficult. And so and I, we don't say this in a pressured way, like make sure you get it right. But it is something to think about that sometimes in the moment you're so frustrated. Again, we this cup analogy keeps coming up that you're so frustrated. Why are they frustrated over a cup? A cup does not matter. But imagine that being something in their teenage years. You know, how would you react? That's the way that you want to react right now for these things that seem so little to you, but are so big for your little ones. And I also want to encourage you, like I said to someone, I actually think it might've been you, Taylor. It's like toddler years can be hard. I mean, they literally are so hard. And it's like, if someone came up to you on the street that you didn't know, and sometimes treated you like your toddler treats you, you would be like, WTF is your problem. So it's okay. Like you're a human and like, it's okay not to get it right all the time. But one, making sure you're understanding, aware and apologizing explaining to them, Hey, mommy did not handle that the way that I should have. I yelled and got angry. And instead of yelling at you when I'm angry, I should have taken deep breaths. Can we try and do that together? Like just be honest with them. They are so much more intuitive and aware than we give them credit for. So I just wanted to encourage you that it is hard. Like it is so hard. So just having that intentionality in the front of your mind is what's most important. So we want to shift a little bit and talk about our generation growing up and the outcome of not doing this, you know, I don't know 
how you guys grew up. I grew up in a wonderful house with two loving, hardworking parents. And they also said things sometimes like, because I said, so stop crying. You're okay. You're going to be fine. Exactly. And I think that was how society was, right? I feel like a lot of us experienced that same thing. Like, you know, like I don't look back on my childhood by any sorts of the mean and think, oh, that was bad. And I hear some of the language that was used back then. This existed at school. It's not even our parents, right? I look back at that. And what's interesting is we literally were teaching emotional, or we weren't teaching, we were little, but we were being taught emotional suppression. And so if we keep repeating this, then we're teaching emotional suppression. And we have so much more knowledge now. And so let's use that knowledge. I know Jordan and I both feel really strongly about this. The comments like, well, you turned out fine or, you know, your generation is fine. You know, some of me is like, my perspective is I was like, we have so much more knowledge. Why do we keep wanting to do the same thing over and over when we know that that's not the most effective way? And then Jordan, you have kind of your perspective. You've actually shared this on social media real quick. What is that perspective of being told like it turned out fine? Yeah. So it's said to me all the time in passing. And the thing is, is that I know the intentions are just to be like comforting, but my perspective is like, what's your definition of fine? Because there are so many diagnosed and I don't like, and so many probably undiagnosed cases of, you know, anxiety and depression And we live in this fast paced society that we think is like normal. And it's just normal to be constantly stressed out and on the go. And to me, that is not a definition of fine. And so I want to change that for myself now. And I also want to change that for the generation that we are raising so that they know, you know, having emotions is okay. um, And just here's how we deal with them. And here's how we can make it better. Absolutely. I think that's so, so important is we're just trying to do better. We're taking our information that we have. We're trying to evolve. And we do know that there are increased rates of anxiety and depression. And we're seeing that, you know, in our generation and younger. And this is not to say it's a cause and effect thing. That's not our message here. But one of the things we do know is that emotional processing is a really effective tool. So when we push our emotions down, our emotions don't really exist. And we're going to mention in a little bit about toxic positivity where it's like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's so great. I should have so much gratitude. And what we're doing is we're pushing down those negative feelings. And really what we know is when we give them space to breathe or we process through them, that they actually pass so much quicker than trying to push them down. And so I think we can kind of move into emotion regulation within yourself, but I just want to say this other little quotes that I hear a lot. I just mentioned these in case it's like, oh, wow, it really is so around us. Things like, and I've said this in another episode, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's teaching us that our feelings shouldn't be hurt when someone says something mean to us or kind of the like, don't worry, be happy. No, what I'm arguing, and I know Jordan agrees, and there's lots of research is it's okay. Invite the worry, give that worry space. And we don't need to use the happiness to squash the worry. You know, there's many ways to work through that worry or even sometimes just acknowledging it. Um, I love this little strategy, just saying my brain is thinking a lot of really worried thoughts right now. 
And naming it, calling it out is actually a form of emotion regulation in itself. And I think we just have bypassed that. Like we, again, we don't say things like sticks and stones may break your bones, but like words will never hurt you. We don't say that to be bad people and to not, you know, whatever, but you know, we have to understand now how that compound mindset is really what it is affects development and um, reactivity in the future. So one of the most important parts of this, I think, especially as a mom is just being able to regulate myself and have that space for myself. I find that on the days where I'm on top of my self-care, my, my, you know, leading myself and um, I'm able to regulate myself better. And in turn, when I can regulate myself better, I am able to regulate my kids better. And I think that that's just kind of like the nature of being a human and having little people that follow you. So Taylor mentioned staying weary of toxic positivity. Do you want to talk a little bit more about where we might see that and what that might look like? Yeah, we love social media here, but there are some downsides to social media. We know this, we all own this. And one of them that I see all the time is this toxic positivity on social media, constantly being like, oh, but you should be grateful. And it's like, you know what? You can still feel really bummed out about something and also be grateful for your life and your family and all of that. They are not mutually exclusive. And so I think there's a lot of this. I also see it in the form of like, and we talked about this on a previous episode when we were talking about managing your day and the transformational aspects of that. But going from negative thoughts, we see a lot on social media that teaches us to go to quote unquote, I'm air quoting, like we always love to do on our podcast. But anyway, so we see this where it's like going from negative thoughts to positive thoughts. And then people will say like, it doesn't work to, you know, work through my thoughts and all of that. Or I've tried that before. And that's because we're swinging too far in the other direction. So just be aware that toxic positivity is a thing. And are you using gratitude or are you using different strategies to push your emotions down? That in the long term is not going to serve you. And so what I often like to talk about um, is, you know, either with like patients or with coaching clients is you need to give yourself space to feel first before you use that regulation strategy. We don't want to use the way to kind of calm ourselves down as a way just to say no emotion, go away. And so just be aware that like you can feel and then you can use a strategy and that's not toxic positivity unless it's going too far into the extreme. And sometimes I will say from my clinical opinion, I think sometimes emotion regulation is mistaught where it is. It's like, well, think about everything you're grateful for. And it's like, yeah, your life can be great. Guess what? Even if you have the best life in the world, you are still going to experience negative emotions. The goal is not to get rid of negative emotions. And I think this is a misconception too. The goal is to learn how to work through them, to be able to identify them. Maybe they're happening less frequently or less intensely. That's the goal, but you're never going to get rid of your negative feelings and thoughts. We're human. I listened to something the other day that said contrast in life is actually so healthy because contrast helps you to actually be like in this sense, like those hard times and being able to work through those hard times actually helps you be genuinely joyful and grateful for those good times instead of just putting on the face that like I should be. 
right? And so we talked a little bit about giving yourself space as the human that, you know, and the parent. And sometimes that looks like walking away from a situation where you are kind of like, um, on that verge, on that tipping point of not handling it, you know, within a a valid and reasonable reaction. So whether it's with your partner, your spouse, your coworker, your friend, or your toddler, giving yourself that space to walk away and say, okay, what do I want from this? Especially as a parent. And, you know, even with my husband, I would say, taking a deep breath, stepping away from the conversation. What's most important here. Is it me winning? Is it me getting out the door faster? Or is it me helping him understand how we solve problems, how we ask for things, how we respond when we're frustrated? And that will kind of help you guide your next step. Yeah, walk away. And it's okay to own that you're walking away. So I will say, ideally, any space is great space, right? But ideally, not stomping away and slamming doors. If you can say, like, to your children, I need a couple minutes. I will be right back. That also helps them to understand what is going on in the situation. Um, and even with your partner, for example, saying the same thing, then your partner's not being like, okay, what is she thinking right now? What is she doing? It's like, okay, she needs some space. I can honor that. So, you know, naming it for what it is. Other things that can be really helpful to be able to process through emotions. And I am going to caveat right here because I know some mamas are out there are listening and you're going to be like, I can't do that in the moment. And so these can sometimes be useful in the moment if you have the opportunity. But if not, you also can say to yourself, okay, I'm going to compartmentalize this right now. It's not permanently, but Right now, I need to focus on X, Y, and Z. I am going to come back and process this. And tools to do that, for example, journaling is a really, really helpful strategy for doing that, like actually getting out your thoughts, putting it down on paper. Exercise, like physical activity, or even just going for a walk can be super regulating. A walk is a great one with your kids. You say, if you're really dysregulated, let's go outside. We're going on a walk. You know, everyone can go on the walk. Other things like meditation, that will be a hard one. If you have little ones, like you're not going to all of a sudden get in a meditative state in that, that moment, but that's a great proactive one where it's like, what can you do? Maybe you fit it into your day, into your morning routine. And then the last one I want to mention, which I actually do truly believe you can do this with your little ones or even your teens, whatever age child you have is deep breathing. And so a caveat with this is not commanding your child to do breathing, not saying, I need you to take five breaths right now. That actually ramps up and agitates the situation even more. The most effective way to start to implement this are two things. Number one is teaching deep breathing outside of the emotional emotionally arousing situation, practicing it because it's going to be easier to learn. It's a skill. It's going to be easier to learn when people are calm and having this be like a routine in your household. And then number two is instead of saying, I need you to do this, it's mom is going to take a few deep breaths. And it is crazy how kids naturally pick up on that. I'm shaking my head like vigorously right now because it's just crazy the amount of times I've seen my son follow me when I do that, because that is like the one thing I can do in the moment. I can't really journal, you know, or, you know, go out for a walk by myself, but I can take deep breaths 
And what that does is physically gets oxygen back through your body and it helps you get more regulated physically that, you know, kind of like fight or flight response so that you're a little bit more calm. And from there you can decide your next steps. One of the things that I started doing too, when I need that space, I find this, especially like with really charged, heavy heart situations, whether, you know, going on in the world or a family drama or a really hard day with my kid. Uh, and you know, when you're scrolling on social media and you're seeing so many perspectives, I will shut my phone off. And, you know, if it's the middle of the workday, like Taylor said, I do have to say like, I can't do this right now, but in an hour and a half, I'm going to go on a walk. I'm not going to listen to a podcast. I'm not going to listen to music. I am going to give myself that space to actually like do nothing, but think through this and like, kind of figure out what my thoughts are on it. And when I feel like I'm in a peaceful state, I'm going to come back in and finish my work. So if you are struggling to find, you know, a way to process that emotion or that situation, try that. It's something that I've been trying lately and I actually am loving how it's helping me, but yes, deep breathing. And I I wanted to make note here. If you're someone that I feel like I'm someone and I will raise my hand that truly struggles with this. I struggle with my emotion regulation and I've been so much better about it in the past six months. And one of the things I've actually seen that has really helped me is reading this book called think like a monk. I've probably mentioned it only half a dozen times on this podcast because probably, but it's a great, it sounds amazing. I'm like basically a a non-paid advertisement for the book right now, (laughs) but um, you know, Jay Shetty is the author. He's also the CEO of the calm app. And it's really just all about, we hear the word mindfulness tossed around, but what actually is it? And allowing yourself that space as a human to process things and then kind of giving you the tips to like, I don't want to use the words move on from them, but like take that next best step. So highly recommend. Yeah. I actually have some resources. We'll link them in the show notes that are about mindfulness as well. That could be some additional, you know, tools and resources, or if you feel like you just don't have the bandwidth to fully get into a book. Although I will say audible is amazing. It's how I listen. I listen to a lot of my, my books versus reading them. Although I've been trying to read more now, but we'll go ahead and link those. Another book I do want to give a plug for, again, we are not sponsored. These are just things that we've personally taken on and that have helped us is called Choose Your Story, Change Your Life by Kendra Hall. That's another one that really talks to about your thoughts. And remember, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are highly, highly interconnected. So these are great kind of proactive things, meditation, you know, journaling, all of those can be proactive. And there are tools kind of in the moment to be able to help you. It's another great opportunity for us to remind you that this could be one of those situations. If you were with us a few weeks ago, we talked about um, mental health awareness, and this could be one of those situations where you add a new tool to your, uh, you know, mental well-being toolkit and you go to therapy. I've actually done this type of work in therapy where my therapist helped me rewire how I thought about a certain consistent point of conflict in my life. And I mean, it's like shocking how obvious it was to her, but like, to me, I just couldn't see it that way until she said it. And it changed the game for me. So if you're consistently struggling with this and the resources and the books, they're just not pushing you to the level that you need, then you can seek additional help. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was episode five that we really dove into mental health. That might be a great resource. And we give specific resources for finding a therapist as well. 
So let's bring this back into some tangible takeaways. How can we encourage emotional regulation in ourselves, in our relationships, in our parenting? I know we've gone through a handful of things, um, walking away for a breather, you know, also remembering what is the most important part of this interaction? What do I want out of this scenario? Prioritizing your emotion regulation throughout the day. And then understanding too, like we talked about at the beginning, those little things to little people are really big in their world. And when they become bigger, they're going to be bigger things. Yeah. And then in terms of your child, how to maybe start to intervene in that way or prevent some of the meltdowns or the tantrums. Um, one of the things that is, can be super helpful is giving warnings. So like five more minutes until you have to turn off the iPad so that there is that anticipation. Also making it really clear what the expectations are. So not only on the emotion side, like we were talking about, if you're telling them it is okay to feel angry and it's not okay to hit, what do you want them to do instead? Give them that alternate strategy. We know for any behavior change to be most effective, it's got to be replaced by something. You can't just take away a behavior. So expectations in terms of emotional communication and also in terms of your household, if you're constantly fighting over the same thing, maybe that's an opportunity to realize either this isn't clear enough or, you know, maybe your child needs something like a visual schedule. These can be great for morning and evening routines. Uh, first, we brush our teeth, then we get dressed, then we go down to breakfast and actually having it visually laid out can be very, very beneficial. So using some of those strategies to try to prevent um, or reduce big meltdowns. I do want to note though, that emotion dysregulation is common in the toddler and preschool year. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, it is a season of struggle. There's probably part of that that is absolutely normal. And again, our biggest takeaway I'd say from this episode is we actually want to be teaching kids that it is okay to have those big emotions. And the child psychologist side in me, although nothing on this podcast is ever clinical advice, if you are really struggling with this, just know, just like we talked about therapy for you, you actually can go to therapy to learn how to manage and regulate your child's behaviors. And usually for very young children, it is a lot working with the parent. If you have older kids, it might be a mix of, you know, the therapist is working some with you as well as your child. Once they move into the teenage years, they tend to, I, I say they, cause I don't work with teenagers a lot at this point anymore, but they tend to work just with the teen and they'll give you updates. So they make it developmentally appropriate, but that is a resource as well. It takes a village. It does. It does. We are almost done with this episode, but we want to leave you with tangible steps to apply this. We are all about taking messy action and we would encourage you to embrace that with us. Here's this week's takeaway. This week, after listening to the episode, we want to help encourage you to experiment with the processing methods that we talked about. So, you know, I mentioned that one of the things I've been doing is giving myself space by going on a walk with no distractions, no podcasts, no music, giving my thoughts, you know, the ability to run. We talked about journaling, meditation, exercising, deep breathing. So go ahead and incorporate one of these 
processing methods into your daily practice. And the reason it's important to practice it daily and not just when you have a falling out or are really in need of it is because you're being proactive to the point where it will help you better regulate yourself in that you know, real-time situation than if you just wait to do it after the fact. It also is tuning you in, in terms of proactive, tuning you into your emotional state right there. And like we talked about with deep breathing, you have to practice it in times other than just the emotionally intense situation, building awareness of your emotions, which in turn is going to help you teach your child how to build awareness of their emotions. Doing it in more of these calm states can be super, super helpful as well, because awareness is a skill. And so That's another piece of it. The one other thing I'm going to add is maybe part of this is saying, listen, I've listened to a couple episodes of Jordan and, you know, Taylor, and they brought up therapy and I've been thinking about it. Maybe you need to go research a therapist and find a therapist. And maybe that is going to be your processing method that you choose. Remember that we will add some resources for y'all in the show notes. If that is something that you you know, need help navigating where to go and how to get some extra tools in your toolkit. All right. That is all for mom moments, all about emotion regulation. We hope you took some takeaways from this episode about how you can regulate yourself and how you can start to teach your child emotion regulation and maybe shifting the narrative of how you were raised. And it's less about emotion suppression and more about validating emotions. We will be back probably in a couple of weeks with another mom moment, especially if you are loving this. If you do, let us know and give us topic ideas as well. All right. Thanks, you guys. We'll see you next time. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. We love when you share your imperfect but impactful progress with us on social media. We've linked our Instagram, leadher.everyday in the show notes so you can tag us. Make sure you don't miss the next episode. Hit subscribe to stay up to date. See you next time.